Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. How are you guys this week? I hope everybody's had a good week. Thanks again for understanding about the replay. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about pirates if you didn't hear it the first time. And if you listened to it again, I hope you learned something new. Thank you to everybody who's interacted with the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and all the other things involving the podcast. You guys are amazing. I love you all. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out to any episodes. And if you have a second and you want to leave a five-star review on Apple, I would greatly appreciate it. Or a five-star review on Spotify or both. I can say I'm surprised by this week's poll, you guys. I thought that more people would say they were both introverted and extroverted. I don't know. I would like to think I'm both, but I can have a conversation with a brick wall, so probably more of an extrovert. But I do have limited social battery interactions on some days, so <clears throat> feels more like an introvert. And I'm glad that everybody likes sweet tea. <laughs> I also think it's funny some of how what we thought the most overrated movies were. That was... Yeah, I agree with you guys. Yeah. But I mean, I think a lot of people have different opinions about movies and music. It's like, you gotta like this. No, I really don't. So, that was a fun poll. Thanks for uh, giving me your opinions, guys. So today I want to talk to you about something that happened 30 years ago, and we're still feeling the effects of it today. Anybody have any guess as to what happened in Florida about 30 years ago? I'm sure some of you do, and you're probably yelling at your phone. Uh, Hopefully no one's around to see you do it, but if you aren't sure, or you weren't living in Florida, or you don't remember, on uh, August... In August of 1992, sorry, I forgot the actual, I did not write the actual date down, so forgive me on that one. I think it was the 24th, uh, so we'll say August 24th, but around the 24th. Uh, in 1992, Hurricane Andrew slammed into South Florida and brought massive devastation on the Sunshine State. The hurricane hit the pre-dawn hours in what was then just Dade County. Before it was Miami-Dade County, it was just Dade County. But I'm going to use it interchangeably so you get the idea of where I'm talking about. But this was when it was still just Dade County. And it carved a path up the state. And it would actually become one of the most costly hurricanes to hit Florida. Andrew was also one of only four hurricanes to make landfall on the continental U.S. as a Category 5. Most powerful one we can get. Um, The storm caused a lot of damage in South Florida, but it also took havoc on the Bahamas and Louisiana because it went out into the Gulf, slammed into Louisiana, and then eventually curved up and ended somewhere in the Appalachians. It was a very powerful storm. Andrew began as a tropical depression in the eastern Atlantic Ocean on August 16th, and it churned for a week before rapidly intensifying into a Category 5 storm. The storm actually headed for the Bahamas, where it dropped to a Category 4 as it hit the islands, but then gained strength as it moved away and back into the open ocean. Then the storm headed straight for South Florida, and it hit Homestead on the 24th. Okay, I read it that time, so it is the 24th. Andrew is the sixth most intense hurricane to hit the U.S., as it hit with a barometric pressure of only 922. The cities of Homestead, Florida City, Cutler Ridge, and Kendall received the absolute brunt of the storm, as well as massive destruction through the Everglades. Now, Andrew was initially forecasted to have tides about 14 feet above normal and rainfall projected at only 5 to 8 inches. The storm was also uh, forecasted to produce tornadoes around the storm's path. The storm warnings and hurricane warnings went out from Titusville to Venice and all the way south to the Florida Keys. 
Now, Andrew was the first tropical depression of the season in 1992, so it was watched but not expected to become what it actually turned into. Meteorologists watched with NOAA to see what the system would do, but they didn't expect it to do what it did in such a short time. It intensified rapidly. I can't say it came out of nowhere, but it seemed like it did. Now, Miami-Dade County was ordered to evacuate um, ahead of the storm, and shelters were set up in place to help residents. And residents from Broward, Charlotte, Collier, Lee, Martin, Dade, Monroe, Palm Beach, and Sarasota counties voluntary, voluntarily evacuated as the storm got closer. And if you just heard me say those, yes, those are on both sides of the state. The state is not a wide state. Um, so it's not surprising that when a hurricane hits one side, it's very likely that it's going to go across the state as opposed to straight up the side. So it's not surprising that both sides had evacuations. Now, 1.2 million people actually evacuated ahead of the storm, which actually helped to keep the fatalities very low for Andrew, which is which is big of a storm as it was. The large number of evacuations did lead to one of the largest traffic snarls in Florida. And Walt Disney World was actually completely booked up ahead of the storm, which is kind of unheard of. Palm Beach also, Palm Beach County also took measures to keep their families safe for the sheriff's deputies as they just doubled up prisoners in the facility so that the family members could ride out the storm with them. People even took refuge on rest stops on I-95 because they couldn't get out in time. Andrew overall cost $25.3 billion in damages as it struck Florida due to its rapid intensity. The storm stripped most buildings completely down to their foundations, leaving nothing left, and it caused damage from strong winds rather than rain, as it was technically considered a dry storm with only 13 to 14 inches of total rainfall in some areas. Just because it wasn't a wet storm doesn't mean it wasn't a bad storm. Uh, the storm did have 44 fatalities in total, as 15 were direct, and 29 were indirectly caused by the storm. And when I say indirectly, it could have been that uh, an amulet couldn't get to someone, they drank bad water, there was a power line on the ground, a tree fell after the storm. There's many different ways it can be indirectly caused. Now, the storm hit just south of Miami, and that actually helped to keep the number low. If it had been a direct hit to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, or any of the cities in that area, the number would have likely been much higher due to the intensity of the storm. Now, the storm did cause tides to rise about four to six inches above normal in the Biscayne Bay area, and the highest tide recorded was 16.9 feet in some areas. The tides and strong winds were confined to a small stretch, mainly from Miami to Key Largo, as the storm was technically considered compact. So, for those of you who have seen, like, recently, Irma was a massive storm. It was a strong storm, but it was also a very wide storm. Andrew was not a wide storm. Andrew was a very compact, much like Charlie. It was very, very rapidly intensifying, and it was very strong, but it did not spread out. So, its actual, like, damage path was not the whole state. Now, since it was very strong, the highest wind gust reported at the, at the time was Actually, in Perrin, it was at a house in Perrin with 212 miles per hour before the entire thing was destroyed. Coral Gables saw sustained winds of 116 with gusts up to 147 before that was destroyed. Tropical storm force winds did reach as far as West Palm Beach and on the opposite side of the state over to Marco Island, which saw wind gusts up to 100 miles per hour, which can still do some damage. 
Andrew caused 1.4 million people to lose electricity and 150,000 were without telephone service. I find that to be funny um, just because they're talking about telephone service. Um, in the days of cell phones now and Wi-Fi and everything else, we would have a, probably a different take on that. Now, the storm did damage uh, 101,241 homes and absolutely destroyed 63,000 as well. And most of these were in the Miami-Dade County area. Um, the storm caused 175,000 people to be homeless. And the extent of the damage was actually very limited in that, even though that was a big amount, it was limited from Kendall to Key Largo due to the fact that it was compact and a small wind field. The hurricane destroyed 90% of the mobile homes in the, the Dade County area, with 99% of those homes actually being just in Homestead. Homestead was absolutely destroyed. The Homestead Air Force Base was heavily damaged as most of the 2,000 buildings on the base were severely damaged or rendered completely unusable. The base was recommended for closure after Andrew due to the damage. But Homestead wasn't the only city that saw widespread damage. Florida City also also saw large amounts of damage as 120 homes were completely demolished and 700 others were heavily damaged. The City Hall in Florida City was damaged beyond repair as well as a bunch of other city buildings. Now the damage in that area also spread to Country Walk and Saga Bay which were a little further north but most of these homes in the area were poorly constructed and when surveyed it looked like the damage had come from an F3 tornado higher as it ripped through the community. The streets were impassable as trees and power lines and debris blocked all access. Cutler Ridge Mall also suffered severe damage and was actually heavily looted after the storm. Which I remember seeing this on TV when it happened um, on the nightly news, like the, not the local news, but the worldly U.S. news. And I just remember seeing people running through the streets, looting things, people walking around with shotguns to protect themselves. It was a very crazy time, just because of how much damage and what people were going through at that time. The agriculture in the area was 85% wiped out, which basically means it was it was a destroyed season. Miami did get some flooding and wind damage, uh, not as much as Homestead or Florida City. Um, a jet was pushed through the fence at Miami International Airport, as well as some roof damage and buildings in the area. Now, the effects on the other part of the state were minimal compared to the Miami-Dade area. Broward, Monroe, and Collier also felt the effects of the hurricane. The damage, though, was mainly to the trees and power lines um, due to the high winds that were in the sustained area. It did cause limited access to some areas, which hampered um, help to those areas in the worst parts. Pembroke, Pine, Pembroke Park excuse me, was one of the worst affected cities of where about 260 mobile homes were destroyed. Like I said, this wasn't a wet storm, but it did have storm surges, and the storm surge left coastal flooding in some areas all the way down A1A. The Everglades Park, Everglades National Park, and Biscayne National Park saw more than 25% of the trees damaged or destroyed. Monroe County also saw significant damage in the upper Florida Keys, as strong winds damaged 1,500 homes, with 300 becoming uninhabitable. The winds also destroyed awnings, billboards, boats, planes, and, of course, the trees. Collier County saw storm surges in low-lying areas, as well as 80 mobile homes destroyed, with 400 more damage from the winds. And in Collier County, most of that is still in the Everglades, where the storm pushed through that area.
Now, the aftermath of Andrew can still actually be seen in certain areas today, especially down in Homestead and Florida City. And the area that was impacted by Andrew was declared a disaster area as they needed help get people um, supplies to that area. The scene was described as an active war zone as it was surveyed. President Bush was president at the time, and he immediately declared the state of emergency and pushed to have the National Guard in, as well as getting help from other states and Canada even came to our aid. Now, with all this destruction, crime rose sharply in the area, with looting and theft being the main offenses in the area. Merchandise was stolen from damaged shopping centers and homes. Uh, Neighborhoods in the Dade County and in Miami were also looted, even when homes weren't completely standing anymore. People would just go through the rubble and take whatever they thought was valuable. In response to this, gun sales spiked in South Florida as people sought to protect themselves and their items after the wake of the hurricane. CNN even showed people looting as they covered the aftermath of the storm, and that's what I remember seeing. I remember seeing the people walking through the um, the debris. I remember the National Guard rolling in. I remember seeing all that. It was just it was devastation. Um, homeowners and business owners alike were seen guarding their places. And of course, temporary housing was set up as the government brought in supplies to help. They initially set up four tent cities, but five was actually needed due to the amount of homeless. And these were set up mainly in Florida City and Homestead to help with the displaced people. Now, the storm brought about a lot of difficulties for the residents of South Florida beyond the actual damage and physical issues. The time after the storm and during the clinic period actually brought about increased divorce rates and a spike in mental health issues. <laughs> and I think it's really important to talk about this because these people have just lost everything that they held valuably important to them physically, and it's gone. It's just gone. What do you do now? Like, do I pick up? Do I move? Do I try again? What am I doing? And PTSD rose sharply. And surprisingly, a lot of those PTSD cases were in children. And they even saw the suicide rates climb. The suicide rates also climbed in children. A lot of children in the area actually attempted suicide. And therapists were reporting that children were talking about suicide or depression. And it rose sharply from September of 1992, which is just after it hit in August, to January of 1993. 90% of the people in the area, adults and children alike, were believed to have suffered from some form of PTSD after the storm. That's horrible. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just, you don't have anything. You're like, well, what do I do now? It just kind of feels hopeless sometimes. So, I mean, I can kind of see where they're coming from. I think it's worse for the children. I feel very sad for that. I, f- I feel... I'm glad that there were people that the ki- children could talk to. And I'm glad that's still a thing that's in use today. Anytime there's any kind of disaster. Um, because kids don't quite understand it like adults do. Like, okay, it happened. We can rebuild. We can move on. But to a kid, that was your world. And it's gone. And now you don't know what to do. Um, I guess for some reason I didn't realize that PTSD after a hurricane could be a real thing. But yeah, I guess it is. I mean, I know after Irma... Every hurricane season is just like, oh, God, not another one. Oh, please, not another one. So, I mean, yeah, I can believe that's a real thing. Now, Homestead obviously felt the effects long after the storm had passed. The Air Force Base that I told you was probably going to be closed actually went through $100 million worth of repairs as unsavageable buildings were demolished. They had to rebuild medical communications and security at the base to reinforce it. And the base finally reopened in March of 1994. 
the staff on the base was drastically cut in half and a lot of things were not did not remain on the base that had been there prior to the storm homestead also lost the cleveland indians wait guardians cleveland guardian okay they were the indians in 1992 so i think they're the cleveland guardians now um but they used to have a spring training in the um in homestead uh for the for the baseball spring training and they feared that another hurricane would destroy it, so they moved their facilities to Winter Haven. Um, but now they practice in Arizona. Um, FEMA had assisted a lot with this hurricane. They had 3,500 temporary homes and financial assistance for the residents of Homestead as their homes were rebuilt or new homes were found. Two years after Andrew hit Homestead, about 70% of the homes that were damaged or destroyed were finally rebuilt or repaired. It took two years. I know that. I know that after a hurricane hits, um, it, it can take a really long time for some repairs to be done, basically because labor, supplies, the ability to get in and out, um, all that really does depend on, you know, how bad the damage was for the hurricane and how big the area was. I know after Irma, it was nearly impossible to get any home repairs done because everybody was so busy fixing everybody's homes. You know, if you just needed a simple plumbing thing, sorry, you've got a six-month wait. It it doesn't... It's insane um, that, you know, one storm can... It's it's sad that it's an economic boost because of what happens. Now, Zoo Miami also saw major damage as 5,000 trees were toppled in the area. The wings of Asian aviary, which um, was partially destroyed, caused the loss of 100 birds. Five animals did actually perish during the storm due to flying debris and or contaminated water. The University of Miami Primate Center was heavily destroyed, which allowed 1,800 monkeys or baboons and, not and, and baboons to escape. And of course, upon them escaping, rumors flew that the escape monkeys were infected with AIDS. Mass panic ensued. This actually led to 30 monkeys being shot by residents, National Guards, or police officer. Hurricane Andrew brought an unexpected problem to Florida, and it's actually one that we still face today. The insurance companies that covered South Florida did not recover from all these claims. Um, nine hundred nine. Oh, hold on. This is a big number. Nine hundred thirty thousand. Nine hundred thirty thousand people in South Florida lost coverage as eleven companies went bankrupt after the storm, and the reason for these bankruptcies was more than six thousand claims were made after the storm. So Florida had to create new entities to deal with the insurance companies uh, that were no longer around and to help create better insurance for the state. And this is something you still feel today. So if you ever own a home in Florida, and you're like, "Oh, I'm just going to go to Progressive." No, you're not. Oh, I'm going to go to, like, Geico. Very rarely. A lot of companies in South Florida that do homeowners, homeowner insurance are local or, like, universal. We had universal when we owned a home. And it was, like, tons of local branches. Of course, it's a massive corporation. But it was, you could only use certain people because only certain people have the actual backing money wise to cover the people in florida like because if a hurricane hits and your house is a total and utter and complete loss and you know your house is worth a million dollars 
that's a million dollars right out the door, not to mention all the items that you had in it. So a lot of places and a lot of places don't get the backing to insure Florida because of the money. And this is something we deal with today. I mean, homeowner insurance in Florida is insane. It's expensive. It's your, you know, in order to even get the insurance, you have to have so many, your roof has to be right. Your, you know, if, if a shingle's loose, there's a problem. If you, it's, it's, and it's because of these hurricanes. And actually it's because of Andrew, um, because of the absolute destruction from Andrew on these houses, it brought about stricter building codes to both homes and commercial buildings. The way the roofs were built also changed after the storm. The way they put the actual shingles on the roof changed after the storm. The pitch of the roofs, the building um, materials, everything changed after Andrew. New building codes were implemented to prevent this kind of destruction from happening ever again. And if you, if you can't quite picture what I'm saying, there's a really good example when Hurricane Michael hit Mexico Beach. Mexico Beach is an older Florida beach town. And it got wiped off the map but there was one home and it was a newer home and it was a big home that did not get destroyed because it was built to specific up-to-date hurricane standards and that is what Andrew did Andrew made sure that homeowners are better protected from the storms when these Cat 5 comes. Um, and these building codes were established in 98 after the storm. And they were fully enacted in 2002. And that was to make the Sunshine State safer. Um, as local laws were replaced with universal building codes. So now any f- building in Florida that's built must adhere to these building codes. Um, there are some cases that are grandfathered in. Obviously. But if you're building something new or you're going to update. You have to adhere to these codes. And that's simply to protect you in a hurricane. Now, of course, the hurricane didn't just drastically change the building codes and the insurance, but it also changed the demographics of South Florida itself. A lot of people who had filed claims used the money to leave the area. Some people completely left the area. Some people just relocated further north of Miami. A lot of migrations were seen to Coral Springs, Fort Lauderdale, Hallandale Beach, Plantation, Tamarack, Boca Raton, and West Palm Beach. 36,000 people moved from South Dade and Miami counties into the northern counties, such as Broward and Palm Beach. Now, one population that did rebound near Homestead was the Latino population, and it rose from 30% to 45% between the years of 1990 and 2000. And, And there is actually a lot of people that now live in Homestead in Florida City, and it has rebounded quite a bit since Andrew. I can't say it's the safest places to live, but it's rebounded. Um... Another thing that still lives on to this day from Andrew is pythons. Now, a lot of people know that pythons are not native to Florida, and they're actually an invasive species. They're not from Florida. Burmese pythons are not from Florida, hence the name. But the pythons can be found all over the Everglades, and they seem to keep growing in population each year. In fact, they just did the yearly python... We're going to call it a hunt, because I can't think of what it's called right now. But it's where they go, and they, you know call the population like make sure that it doesn't get too out of hand and the reason that they're so easy to find in south florida in the everglades actually comes from hurricane andrew a facility housing the burmese pythons was completely destroyed by the storm wiped off face of the whatever and all the pythons that were being held there that didn't die in the storm escaped into the everglades and allowed them to breed freely in south florida and they 
have. There's actually over 300,000 in the Everglades. They believe there's over 300,000 in just the Everglades alone. (laughs) Now, there's a lot of people that came out of Hurricane Andrew, better or worse, heroes, unspoken heroes, but one man, Brian Norcross. Norcross is the guy that was really credited with sounding the alarm as Andrew formed. Um, Norcross was a meteorologist in South Florida, and he covered Andrew from the moment it formed all the way through. He actually covered the hurricane as it grew stronger and then proceeded to do a 23-hour broadcast as it hit Homestead. He stayed on the air from the moment it got close all the way to the time it was passed. He won several accolades for this as work because he worked to keep people safe. He worked to keep them informed. He worked to give them life-saving tips. And he was credited with saving countless of lives because he stayed so informed on this and because he sounded the alarm and because he told people to get out. And that's really cool. He actually is still in Florida to this day. Now, hurricanes in Florida are obviously nothing new. And, you know, yes, Florida survived. And we haven't really had any as devastating. Irma and Michael are probably the two most recent history that have had just devastating effects um, on this. Actually, Matthew as well. Because Irma went over the whole state. Matthew went up the side of the state. Michael wiped out um, Mexico Beach. And those are probably some of the most recent that are that have just had devastating effects on the state as powerful hurricanes. But Andrew taught the Sunshine State many lessons. And thanks to some brave people, like we talked about, many lives were saved. And we don't need to forget those lessons. Even though it has been 30 years, we are in the height of hurricane season. We do need to stay prepared. We do need to watch the news. We do need to have supplies. Because just because Andrew hit and passed within, I think it was like 24 hours, the devastation lasts a long time. You know... Oh, I just need it through the storm. No, you need it for the week or so after when you can't move because there's no power. You can't, you know, the trees are down. You can't get around the streets. You can't get food. You can't get water. You can't. So this is why you have to stay prepared. And this is why I thought it was really a good time to talk about Andrew, especially on its 30th year anniversary coming up. Now, I hope you learned something new from today's episode. And we are in prime time for hurricanes as they do pick up from August to October in the Atlantic. So stay prepared, guys. I know that they just put out a new thing that they lessen the amount we're supposed to get. Because the tropics have been really quiet this year. I'm fine with that. I hope it stays quiet every year. But it's a, you know, if nothing we've learned that storms can form quickly. And it makes you feel very unprepared and very not ready. But it's a real thing in Florida. Although, you know who is always prepared, guys? Florida man. No matter what he does, he is prepared for something. Usually debauchery, but he's prepared. Today's Florida man is actually from 2021. And we're going to say that this man was kind of overly prepared. Two men got into a fight and one was stabbed with a swordfish. Yes, that's right, a swordfish. Not your everyday weapon of choice, but it is Florida. I couldn't find out, though, if the swordfish was alive or dead or, like, if it was one of those taxidermied ones. I was, like... Because I, I had to read the headline, like, three times. Like, swordfish. Like, sword... Like a, like a fish swordfish? Like... But, yeah. So, watch out for Florida, man, guys. You never know what he's going to do to you. Alright, guys. Thanks for listening today. I hope that you guys have learned something new. Or 
realize that hurricane season is still upon us and decide that you need to go buy a case of water and some food. I hope that everybody has a great week. I would really appreciate it if you have a second um, to give a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Don't forget to check out the Facebook, Instagram, and TikToks to see what's going on in my part of Florida. I actually just did a TikTok today. Actually, it's on on Instagram and TikTok. Um, It is still the rainy season, y'all. That Florida feeling is a wet one right now and a humid one. All right, guys. I hope you stay hydrated. Stay cool. Please be nice to one another. And as always, guys, that is your daily dose of sunshine.